I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Podcast ain't play nobody. Hurry up. Um, Spencer Hall is sitting in for uh, Richard Johnson, who is... uh, reliably AWOL, as one should be after one goes to a uh, an LSU night game. Uh, Spencer, we're going to go through the uh, real-ass playoff teams, the good, good-ass teams that we, we think are good, um, and then I have a category that's now left over as we move further into the season of, I don't know what you are, but you look pretty, and we should talk about you for a second. So, um, Alabama, they beat Texas A&M 47-28. to 28. Clemson, uh, just breezed past Florida State for the second year in a row, 45-14. to 14. Uh, LSU beat Florida. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about that. Ohio State was on a bye. Oklahoma won Red River, 34-27. Uh, Wisconsin blanked Michigan State, 38 nothing. We'll also talk a lot about Wisconsin on this show. And then Penn State um, did what you do now. You go to Iowa, and you have to dress up like Iowa and, and play like Iowa to beat Iowa. And that's exactly what they did. Now we have our uh, our good teams. So basically, we have our playoff teams that are legitimate playoff contenders at this point, and then teams that are right outside of that. There's not a ton of logic here when I assemble these, other than the fact that obviously any of these teams I'm about to name can jump back into legitimate playoff contention. It's just a matter of where we are this week. Uh, Florida lost to LSU. It's their first loss. Oregon, 45-3. to They destroyed Colorado. Uh, Georgia, we will talk about Georgia in a second. They mm-hmm. have one loss. As an SEC East team, they have one loss, so they are still technically alive, although, God, what a loss. 20-17 to at home to South Carolina. Auburn is on a bye, and, uh, you know, I'm being nice to include these guys. Uh, Notre Dame had a 30-27 to win over USC. Um, I have to talk about Baylor. They're undefeated. They won again. Uh, they beat Texas Tech in overtime. Minnesota, undefeated, 34-7. Mollywomped Nebraska. Uh, and then also two teams that I kind of forget about sometimes. Arizona State, 5-1. and one. Utah, 5-1. and one. They both won conference games. So uh, I don't know what to do with you guys, but you it's your accomplishments bear mentioning. I'll put it that way. Now, uh, the G5 is getting very easy to understand, at least in terms of the contention for that New Year's Day slot. I don't think anybody is going to even get into a fun talk radio type situation of contention for a playoff spot this year. However, we know there's Boise, who lost their quarterback in a win against Hawaii, and we know there's App. Then you have this situation in the American Athletic Conference, which is Cincinnati, Tulane, Temple, Memphis, and Navy, all with one loss. All of their losses, most of their losses are quality. Temple lost to Buffalo. Otherwise, everyone else has a quality loss, so to speak. And then you have undefeated SMU, who sadly did not get game day next week. Um, Those guys are all going to sort themselves out, but that is the best way to assemble a picture of the G5 uh, right now. Okay, Spencer Hall. Um, Oftentimes, you look for a metaphor to best describe a situation as a writer, and you really struggle for something that's sort of poetic and beautiful. Um... I want to talk about Georgia, South Carolina, and 
as I read the, the, the post that you and Ryan Nanny created in the top whatever over at Banner Society, um, it reminded me of, of the last bartending job I had. And if you'll stay with me for a second, I used to, I used to have to work the door certain nights. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I would see um, people in various states of drunkenness bump into this parking meter in front of our bar. And throughout the evening, people would bump into the parking meter and with varying levels of aggression, want to fight the parking meter, punch the parking meter, kick the parking meter. Um, This was that game. Now, I'm not sure who the drunk is and I'm not sure who the parking meter is, but as I read through this compilation of facts, not opinions, facts that you and Ryan assembled about South Carolina, Georgia, it felt very much like an angry drunk person punching a metal pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another one is just, you know, in Austin Powers, when he has the the cart parked sideways in a tunnel, yes. and he's trying to complete a 500-point turn to get it out of said tunnel, that was this entire game. There's There's absolutely no desire to win the game in any constructive fashion, only a, only a refusal to attempt that. This was uh, this was an exercise in Will Muschamp decision making, almost from both sides. It was very strange. I think maybe that's why. And you and Ryan obviously have a unique vantage point, being Florida fans, to watch a Georgia game in which Georgia grad Will Muschamp at South Carolina sort of takes them down to his level. I, I don't know. I, I also the thing that immediately sort of stuck out to me was we had been playing around with calling this year's Georgia offense sort of reminiscent of the pre-Lane Kiffin Alabama offenses, right? The slow cooker. And, you know, it just kind of struck me as I was watching the fourth quarter of this game, like, well, there's a real reason that Alabama doesn't run the slow cooker offense anymore. Like, they didn't evolve uh, out of anything other than necessity. There's a reason why they don't do that anymore. And this, this just sort of lackadaisical play calling style and the way that they've just run their offense this year. I don't say it necessarily bit them in the ass, but it certainly set the table for what happened. Why wouldn't you say bit them in the ass? They lost. And they lost they lost in large part because they were uh so conservative before and then yeah. over and then overreacted by the way by putting anytime you put the game on Jake Fromm, it's not good. I know there's people who object to that, but you have to pick his spots because he threw fifty one times. And the results of those fifty one times were his first three interception game ever. His first pick six thrown ever. And I think that's a matter of comfort. I think a quarterback gets used to functioning in a certain way. And then suddenly you show up to work and they say, well, actually, we need you to be this entirely different thing. And, he, you know, like him passing 51 times, it's not good for that team. You know, I guess I certainly don't like it, but I guess I could see the idea of Georgia just playing riskless offensive football and still sort of stockpiling the talent enough to be that much seven to 10 points better than your South Carolina type situation. But yeah, I guess you're right. That does bite you in the ass. There's no reason not to maximize the margins, especially against a team that's going to get dumb and big like South Carolina on defense. Um, if you didn't watch this game, if you're if you're a fan in a different conference or you were watching Texas and Oklahoma, whatever, I think you'd be shocked to realize that like South Carolina kind of won this game without an offense. Without an offense at all. They were down to their third string after in a, another one of the fantastic decisions made by Will Muschamp and his coaching staff in this game. Just leaving their injured freshman quarterback in on a bad leg and then having that bad leg get injured and 
featuring him from the sideline. Like that wasn't an indictment of the way that they put that program together and the way they run it to show him on the sidelines. By the way, sitting on a box, normally if you get a knee injury, you should get that thing elevated, right? You should right. get that, you know, immobilized. No, man, South Carolina's just going to let him sit on the box. Slim, that's fine. Also, this was the game where if you doubt how things work, Javon Kinlaw at one point, who had a massive game, it's terrifying, just, you know, like not single-handedly responsible for messing up everything UGA was trying to do at the line of scrimmage, but mostly responsible, all right? That at one point, Muschamp was going to take Javon Kinlaw out. And according to Muschamp in the postgame, Kinlaw said, to hell with y'all, and walked in. And Muschamp said, have you ever seen him? He's real tall. I just let him go. <laughs> um, specifically, what I was mentioning in terms of offense was that South Carolina got the touchdown off the pick six from Fromm, and then that was their only touchdown, as you guys note, in the last three quarters in both overtimes. Yeah, but you, you, could have guessed, you could have guessed that, right? That's if amazing. I'd, if I had said, yeah, they only got one TD, you'd go, oh, fumble recovery or pick six. Because the rest of the, it's just going to be field goals and accidents from that point on out. The idea that that would be enough to beat Georgia at home after what we've seen in the Kirby Smart era, I, I, I'm shocked. Also, I just, I'm, I'm always want to sort of pull back and look at big picture narrative stuff from off season. Like there was this whole like, you know, uh, I, I guess impasse between Kirby and 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 Cheney about their scoring offense. Like was. Was this what you were headed? Was this the ideal that you were headed towards, Kirby? I'm very shocked here. It was. No, that's it. And I, I need. To, and I actually, I would like to make this point. I don't think there's that much of a difference between Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp. I don't. I think the difference is that one of them is in Athens and has slightly better organizational skills, and the other one's in Columbia. But they run. They run the exact same. Like the their ideal offense is the exact same paleolithic ball control offense to protect your defense i you know i guarantee both of them absolutely hate it that they have to run swing passes and they have to run uh screens on first down instead of running that's a uh that's a beautiful setup for a transition i'm gonna make here yeah let's do it all right um so in the uh, top whatever you guys also mentioned that in the fourth quarter georgia had the ball for nine minutes and only had seven points now, when you talk about holding on to the ball for long drives and establishing swing passes to, I don't know, fullbacks, whoever you want, uh, we go to Wisconsin. Uh, the only thing I wrote in my show notes for here is that, God, Wisconsin is sexy to watch. It is, it is so fun and reliable and never really peaks and never really valleys. It's just the most consistent uh, of of that type of thing that I've ever seen on offense, let alone for the fact that like, I know Michigan state is abysmal on offense, but Wisconsin's defense is really, really good. Yeah, they're really good, but yeah, no data points awarded for this. Like, like I haven't seen a less watchable Michigan state team ever. And this is that that's on the Michigan state curve. There's Uh been some, there's been some, you know, eye plague, Right, that Michigan State's put out offensively. There's no reason to watch this. Like, just turn, like when they're on, just turn the channel. Just wait for a punt. All right, go do something else. There's no reason to watch Brian Lewerke play quarterback. Not like this. There's no reason to watch Rocky Lombardi like overthrow another three yard out or whatever their primary route is in their offense. Um, 
I don't really like to use this show as a look ahead, but I can't help because I've I've been in this sort of like biased race to push Wisconsin into playoff contender talk and talk, you know, when we talk about Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state, like I just, I just want some variance at that level. I think, yeah, I mean, I think at this point we all do. And Wisconsin's fun to talk about. Um, they get Ohio state. It's fun to watch them. They are operating at their peak efficiency. They are, they are the most self-realized version of Wisconsin in years. However, I can't say as much as I love them that I think any of this is going to bode well against Ohio State. No, I, and I don't. I think actually what you'll end up with in Wisconsin, you'll end up with a game that looks a lot like LSU-Florida looked because you'll go, man, dominating time of possession. And, you know, like right now, if you go, who, who's, who holds the ball longest in college football? It's Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're they're up around thirty seven minutes a game, you're just not going to touch it that often. However, in the twenty three minutes you do get Ohio State, um, you know they might be scoring once every other minute there. Um, there's not a whole lot more we can say about Wisconsin other than the fact that it's fun. It creates a little bit of variance, and I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best. If not nothing against Ohio State, again, just for something to explore at that level uh real fast did you take anything away from from red river other than what sort of seems to be laid out for us which is that oklahoma is is uh better jalen they're they're good enough for jalen hurts not to be exceptional make bad decisions and then also texas is a really really bad back end in their defense and they can't tackle um other than oklahoma managed to make sam ellinger uncomfortable and I think that's to their credit. If you go, okay, well, you know what? What can you take from this that? What can you take from this that maybe you didn't already sort of know? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. I think the thing you can take away from it is that Oklahoma defensively kept Ellinger nothing. Like he was in, he was in Jake Fromm average territory, right? And that he they were only getting little five and six yard passes, and that's it. You know, he was largely he was largely ineffective as a passer and was never super comfortable. Um, no matter what he was doing. You know, the other thing you can take away is that Roshan Johnson, the running back for Texas, um, has the coolest stride of anyone in college football. I don't know if you've seen him, but he runs with one arm out, like sashaying. So the ball security, a little suspect. The style, absolutely fabulous. Impeccable. Um, Because we always create an instant referendum on Texas, I don't know why, but we do. Uh, what is your instant referendum on Texas state of program state of Tom Herman time at Texas? It's very possible. This might, they, they could go on and win out for the rest of the year and then have these losses against Oklahoma and LSU where they are both sort of out schemed, out matched, out talented. And then what do we do with that? And where do we put Texas? Well, I mean, I, I don't think this doesn't change a lot of what I see because they've had two, you know, you go, who, who's been tested at this point? Who's had the toughest exams? as teams, right? Texas has to be up there. Yeah. Who are the, who are their two losses? Their two losses are two teams who are obvious playoff contenders to me. So I, I think they probably have they're if you say, hey, they're the best four and two team in America, they really are like probably the best four and two team in America. There's a case to be made for that. They're competitive in both games. Um and you know have uh, an obvious like also when you go, okay, were they really good? What are their assets? They have a reliable asset. They've got Ellinger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're develop like the run game is you know developing you know even more than they already had. I I think if the referendum of the state of the program 
it's a little bit better and they're on the way up, but they're not in that like top five, top eight, right? Right. And but just because by virtue of the schedule and hey, by by the way, bully for you for scheduling LSU. Okay. Yeah. We want to encourage that. This is this is what we want in the sport, especially as we're sort of calcifying at the top and it's getting harder and harder to understand who in this group is the actual best because of the way the scheduling works out and because we're we're just creating separation in high value teams and then exceptional sort of almost professional level. Um, I didn't put them on the whole the good teams list only because they have two losses. Sort of the conceit being that you know two losses is not going two losses in the Big Twelve is not going to put you in the playoff um, in in most scenarios. Um, however, if they were to if they were to run out this season and not lose again, I think it would be a huge statement in support of what they've done without any of the results that they're they're sort of clamoring for immediately. Um, also, they I mean they could also lose to Baylor. It's very possible. Yeah, they just they need. If you go okay, well, what do they need? They they need more. They need more out of their run game. They need to stay committed to their run game because it's very tempting to just hand it over to Elliger and let him let him pass their way back into games because he can do that sometimes. But you know, at this point, they're still a step behind Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, other than Ellinger's play, what do you? we're all kind of fired up about what Grinch has done as defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, especially compared to what they've had in recent years. Shout out to Mike Stoops. Um, how do you, is it, is it that uh, obvious that they're, they're better on defense? Cause again, when you, when you box score, watch this and opposite goes what I just said about South Carolina and Georgia, if you were to just look at this and not watch it, you would think it's roughly a big 12 game, but Oklahoma does look better on defense. Oklahoma seems to have a defense that might be able to answer a call in the playoff. Yeah, like I mean, if you are, if you're looking for what's really improved uh, so far, you know, it just feels like they're uh, more organized and attentive against the run. Like that's they've managed to, they've managed to in six games at this point, right? hold everybody to what I would assume you would go, all right, that's, you know, considering how much y'all score, that's extremely respectable. What, 31 points in game one against Houston? And then we got we got nothing but a bunch of people with fake IDs, 14, 14, 16, 20, right? And then you give up, and you give up 27 in your rivalry game to Texas. To me, that, to me that says that consider the amount of, you know, consider your own definition of game control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you are scoring as much as they do and in the way that they do, that's acceptable. That's beyond acceptable. That's that's good. And here's another thing. Oklahoma's going to be able to control games late a little bit better than they might have previously because they're more than willing to let Jalen Hurts run, right? Yes. So they, it's not like they're going to be able to grind out fourth quarters, but they're going to keep the ball on the ground, and, and they're going to take a different kind of toll on you late, and that's going to protect the defense as well. It's, I mean, it really is a compliment to Lincoln Riley and that the one question everybody had about Hurts going to Oklahoma was how physical were they going to let him be? And the answer yeah. is the answer is sort of to his leisure. And, and it, I think it makes him more comfortable when he has the ability to do that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I don't know if Spencer can tell yet, but I'm definitely leaving LSU Florida for last. Um, Oregon has a good defense. Um, The box score again on Colorado jumps out at you, but this Oregon defense relative to what plagued this program for the last couple years and the atrophy that they experienced on that side of the ball going back from sort of the end of the national title run against Ohio State until last season. Mario Cristobal is seemingly coming through on his promise to SEC eyes as much as you can at Oregon. Um, Their offense looks similar to that. He talks a lot about line play. They're getting better at line play. It seems like they have a defense now that could carry them through. And then as messy and hard to understand as the Pac-12 is, this they they seem to be the constant. And by the way, like you go back to the underthrown pass for the touchdown for Auburn from Bo Nix, and that's the difference uh, between us talking about undefeated Oregon. Yeah, by the way, this is also to say that uh, Oregon or Oregon's defense is timely. Uh, their offense obviously got them out to a, a nice, solid lead in coordination with the defense's effort but uh colorado was productive it wasn't like they didn't get first downs they got 22 first downs against Oregon, and they got three points out of it thanks to pressure and that's that's mostly on montez and but remember montez is a great quarterback he's great he's been phenomenal for colorado that wasn't coming out of nowhere right it's not like it's not like they it's not like they got a mark no, 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 man. They got, you know, people. people's Heisman favorite, Montez. Bill Connolly would say this. Every defensive coach I ever talked to would say this. This is why you look at points per drive. This yeah. is why points per drive and what you're doing once you're past the 35, once you're past the 30-20, this, this is the most important uh, and most accurate way to determine the value of a defense. Points per drive. So... Let them run up all over you, and then if you can stop them, create turnovers, or stall them out in the red zone, it's just as successful as a three and out, especially when you have that offense on the other side. By the way, um, Oregon goes to Washington next week, so that's whatever Washington is, which we don't, which I don't really understand. Um, it's as much of a measurement as we'll get for a while. Um, all right, Louisiana State, Florida. Um, there's no unique take on this, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it is a little strange for me to to talk about Ed Orgeron's masterful ability to diagnose the offense and get the hell out of the way and also bring in someone with radical sort of non-SEC big ball ideas. It has worked. They are good. Florida is as much of a measuring stick as they've seen. I think they're, Florida's better than Texas. And um, I say this with, with no real criticism of Florida. I think you you wrote it pretty well on the top, whatever, where you said, "Hey, it's just it's just one or two things. It's just a penalty that stalls a drive, or it's a single turnover, and then you're just not going to be able to keep up in the foot race." Yeah, you're not. It, it's you can't flinch. It's not a matter of, okay, you can make some mistakes and get back in the game. No, they'll drop you. You won't be able to. You won't be able to see them on the horizon if you blink once or twice. There's a a point in this game in the fourth quarter where um, I believe it's 35-28 LSU and Florida's driving 
you know, they've got like a 12 play 76 yard drive going. They get down into the end zone and then Kyle Chask throws a pick and next drive in under two minutes, LSU goes down, smokes the floor to secondary and scores a long TD to make it 42, 28. You know, that's a, there, there's, there's your 14 point swing, right? Mm-hmm. Florida, Florida could sit there all day, grind up yards, score, Right, because they did, they did plenty of scoring on LSU's defense. If you want to have a concern about LSU, um, make it that defense because they got for a half. Florida did whatever they wanted, and in the second half, even they were pretty productive. So you know, giving up giving up as many yards as you did to Florida, that should be a concern. Like I don't want LSU fans or anyone looking at LSU to go, ah, defense is fine. No, 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 man, it's twenty eight first downs, like. They, you know, you give up. You know, Kyle Trask is on what his fifth start ever, like since high school, and uh, like including high school, and he threw for three hundred yards on you in Baton Rouge. So there's a legit concern. Like when people say, "Well, Bama's going to hang sixty on him," yeah, um, LSU might hang sixty-one. Right. Exactly. They're more than they're more than capable of it at this point because what they have done in freeing up Joe Burrow to make reads, get rid of the ball fast, uh, and then, you know, do whatever they want with the opposing defense. It's just been extraordinary. It's not fair to let LSU figure out that their skilled players who have been just as good or better than everyone else's do better in space. It's just not. But, but hey, it's happened. At least they got rid of the guy who was responsible for that old offense. They, they, I mean, this is something we've talked about for the better part of 20 years. That if if you were to able if you were if you were successful in introducing the concept of modern offense to Louisiana football talent, that this would be the result. This is why I'm hesitant to say it's a sea change. Or I mean, like they still have Alabama, and knowing LSU and their fans as well as I do, like it's just the one measurement of beating Alabama, and that has not happened yet. However, this does feel fundamentally like a change more of a permanent change than I think we've seen since Nick Saban went to that program a long, long time ago. Um, defensively, they are banged up. Um, and, and and more banged up after this game. Yes. This game had, on both teams, you know, this is the point in the season where injuries are really going to begin to crop up for everybody, right? Florida got a head start on that by losing Felipe Franks against Kentucky. But, um, you know, Florida lost... Florida lost one edge rusher that couldn't ended up you know, like couldn't go for the game and then ended up losing Zuniga and that really affected what Florida could do defensively in at least pressuring Joe Burrow and getting him off his marks. Um, you know LSU LSU had several players affected by injury in this game and you know you may or may not hear super accurate accounts of who uh, of who exactly that was but it's if you want to know what's going to cost LSU it might be it might be defensive efficiency due to injuries because they're going to, they're going to face one team that's going to be able to keep up with them. So they have 14 days until Auburn. And I glance over the road game at Mississippi state only because there's been a, a consistent decline in Mississippi state's offense. Um, so they have, they really have 14 days to get healthy again. And then you have the bye week and then you have Alabama and then we reset the table and how we talk about them. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, it's easy to get simplistic about Grantham and and his defense because you can either have the ref like third and third and Grantham has been a meme before he was at Florida. I mean, it was at Georgia, it was at Louisville, it was at Mississippi State. Um, 
What did you take away from his calls last night? Um, understanding that LSU's offense is something exceptional right now, I didn't necessarily think that they played them the wrong way in any stretch. No, they couldn't get pressure. And that's, you know, that's step one for upsetting. Joe Burrow did not. Joe Burrow was, was clean all night. Did not. Yeah, his hair looked great at the end of the game. <laughs> that's That's all you need to know about whether yeah. Florida actually – touched him or not but if you like stats um no sacks like like they they did not sack him uh they also did not turn the ball over which is what a pressure defense would like you to do right. um he went 21 for 24 which even by joe burrow's lofty standards is a hell of a night um and, and worst of all like if you go okay well what did they do wrong yeah, they just weren't real gap sound against the run and that happens sometimes when you bring in blitzes from angles and stuff but you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire averaged 10 yards a carry. That, that's inexcusable. That shouldn't happen. You know, I knew Burrow was going to get yards. And you can live with that. But what really killed Florida last night was Clyde Edwards-Alaire being able to be productive on the ground. And that's, you know, I, I like, Todd Grantham's dumb. Like, he's just dumb. That's a dumb dude, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- thank God he understands, you know, football blitzes. Um, I, I want to leave on this though, because I want you to, I want you to shape the rest of Florida's run. I, I'm not, this isn't cold comfort or anything like that. If you're a Florida fan, but they lost to, again, one exceptional thing, which is this LSU offense this year. It's, 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 it's exceptional and it belongs up on a shelf with just a few other exceptional things that we're learning about in 2019. You were undefeated going into this game. You had your dumb hiccup and actually got away without the loss at Kentucky. You've survived losing a quarterback, and now, let's look at the division for a second. There's South Carolina, there's a bye week, and then there's this Georgia team. And then after that, it's Vandy, Missouri, a bad Florida State team, okay? So mm-hmm. this in no way knocks Florida really out of anything. No. And and is as clean and manageable a conference loss as you could get to then be back in Atlanta. Yeah, or just to say... Hey, considering that we lost our starting quarterback, right, and, and have had an injury, you know, like several key injuries on defense, I, you know, this in for terms of your overall development arc as a program, that's fine. That's the whole point of the LSU rivalry, by the way, so that you can actually play somebody, still be alive for division rights, and and do it in environments that tell a lot about each team. You know, Florida. Florida was Florida could have been 35-35 in the fourth easy. Like easy. Right. That's on the road in Death Valley against an offense that I'm pretty sure can cut anyone in the country to shreds. And we were right there. I feel okay about that. You don't like losing, but you have to feel really good about the prospects down the road, you know. That just that also says to me, "Oh man, we we play South Carolina next week." The only thing that makes me feel better about playing South Carolina next week is that they just did something good. And the chances of them doing two good things in a row, on uh, like intentionally, it's not there. That would be exceedingly against South Carolina's identity. I'll put it that way. Spencer Hall, I appreciate it. Uh, it was a fantastic week. It was a very good week of college football. Um, don't necessarily look at the schedule next week. But let's just talk about how good this week was. Thank you, sir.